We are in a new series, a brand new series called Bible Words. We're looking through a number of some of the less known words or maybe less understood words of the Bible. I went to a school in high school that was a very small school. And with that very small school, you, you had to learn at your own pace. So you'd have to do a lot of reading of yourself without teacher instruction. And what I found with that is I would make up the pronunciation of words because I was the only one ever reading it. As long as I knew what it meant and what the definition was, it was fine. But then I come and hear someone else say the word correctly and I go, I don't know what that is. Through the Bible, we sometimes find the same thing. We go through the Bible and we find words that are long or find words that are confusing and we don't fully understand. And we just go and we skip over it to go somewhere else and on to something else. Well, the challenge through this series is take some of the, the words, particularly the ones that end in I-O-N at the end, and let's define them. It's like a skyscraper. You come to a skyscraper and you look up at the skyscraper and you go, wow, that's an amazing amount of glass. And in reality, you know, it's not just glass. And as you begin to study and learn engineering or architecture, you begin to appreciate all that takes place to build that building. You look beyond just the glass on the surface that is pretty and shiny, and you begin to understand there's metal and there's concrete and there's piles that go down deep into the ground. And in a similar way with our faith and our theology, as we begin to understand it, we go, wow, that's amazing. And this morning we're looking at this word justification. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter number 2. We're going to look at verse number 16, which says the word justify three times in this verse. And we're going to break this down. And this is going to be practical. The justification is this. The act of God whereby he declares the believing sinner righteous in Jesus Christ. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to go back to the Bible and we're going to take this definition and break it up and make it practical. And when we look at these words, the act of God by where, by where he declares the believing sinner righteous. That word righteous is to be in right standing with God. A very simplistic definition of justification is to be declared not guilty. So many of us carry around guilt year after year, decade after decade. And at the end of your life, you're thinking back upon things that happened 50 years in the past, and you're still carrying around the guilt of your past failures. And it wouldn't take me very long to go through, and every single one of us would quickly remember something we're totally embarrassed about, something we're totally guilty of that we wish that no one would know. When we know Jesus Christ as your, our Savior, that something tremendous takes place and we are justified. We are declared not guilty. It's an incredible theology behind this. And this is where it becomes more than just theology and it's empty. It becomes practical in our life. There's a man who is the CEO of Lifeline in Australia, a, a man named Pete Smeagol. He says this, that 60% of Australians, adults, 60% of Australian adults have admitted to being lonely. Australia has an increasing suicide rate. Men age 40 to 44, which is my age, 
the prime of our lives. 18.3% of deaths in that age bracket are the result of people taking their own lives in suicide. In the prime of our lives, people are carrying around guilt from their past and they're carrying around the overwhelming the nature of, of life and there's nothing else that they can do, so therefore they end their lives. 33.65% of adults in Australia admit they have no one to confide in. You imagine carrying around guilt from your past, all of our past failures, and carrying them around on your burden on your back as they get heavier and heavier as time goes on, and you think to yourself, I need to be released of these. I need to be declared not guilty. Well, do you know what? The Bible addresses this, and it's a beautiful thing called justification, where we are declared not guilty. We naturally dwell on our failures. We naturally dwell on our guilt, which leads to turning inward, and it leads to depression and anxiety and ultimate bitterness. And when you are in a courtroom, and if you've ever been in a court situation, standing before a judge, and the jury's on the side, the only words you really want to hear is, not guilty. That's, the, that's what you want to hear. But God doesn't just leave us with big words and say, here's a big word, feel smart, and live your life as if it was not there at all. We learn these truths in the Word of God to change and transform our lives. Because of our salvation, we now live differently. Our principle for today is this. Of course, in every Sunday, we have a principle that we seek to apply to our life, and it is this. God declares me not guilty of sin because of Jesus' salvation. In the book of Galatians, chapter number 2, verse 16, the apostle Paul is writing, and he, and he talks about being justified, and it was being declared not guilty, versus working really hard and following a set of rules to earn your salvation. It was how good do you have to be to be perfect enough to be worthy of heaven and be worthy of standing before God in your own works versus we know we're guilty. We need to be declared not guilty. And that's what he addresses here in verse 16. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. If not, it's on the screen for you. It says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. He lays out there, and it says it like three times, if you want to be justified, if you want to be in right standing with God, the law will not make you perfect. The law, in fact, makes, points out our guilt. It shows how we are guilty. We must totally be dependent upon God and His justification in order to be in right standing before God. That definition again. Justification is the act of God whereby He declares the believing sinner righteous in Jesus Christ. We're going to walk through four points this morning. 
And it's a very simplistic message because we're just following that outline of the definition. And then we're going to f- go back to Scripture and see what it looks like in our life. Those four points, uh, justification is an act, not a process. It is of God, not of works. It declares us not, not guilty. And sinners is for sinners, not good people. Let's look at that first point this, together this morning. It's an act, not a process. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's an act, not a process. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. It's not we will have peace with God and someday if your good outweighs your bad, then you can experience peace with God. It's, it's, it's an instantaneous moment in time that we experience. It's an tra- instant transaction between God and the individual. In our modern society today where we have to wait 2.1 seconds for something to load on our phone and it's too long, justification is wonderful for us because it's instantaneous. In future weeks, we're going to talk about salvation and we're going to talk about sanctification and some other Asian words. But Let me explain to you what takes place just really briefly at the moment of salvation. The way a person is saved is by placing, repenting of their sin and accepting the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ that's given to us by Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead. When an individual recognizes their inability and their sinfulness, they accept Jesus Christ and his, his salvation and something happens at that very moment. Some people pray a prayer, an acknowledgement. The prayer is not some magical words that save us. It's the belief in our heart. And at that moment of the belief in your heart, a number of things take place. First of all, we see, the scripture lays out a number of things. First of all, we see a person is justified. They are declared not guilty. And if you need this visual image in your mind, this is personally helpful to me. I think of God as a great judge that looks at us and sees us through Jesus Christ and he says, not guilty. So the moment that you believe in your heart, at that very instant, there's in a sense a court case in heaven that says, not guilty. The same time that it takes place is the Holy Spirit comes into our, our life. We have our sealing of the Holy Spirit. Our sins are taken. The Bible describes them being buried in the deepest part of the ocean as far as the east is from the west in that very instant. God gives us the Holy Spirit and seals our salvation. And from that, he writes our name in the Lamb's book of life. And he says that no one's going to rub you out because it's in the most permanent of all permanent markers. He writes our name in the Lamb's book of life. He also says, I'm going to hold you in my hand. And Jesus says that no one's able to snatch you out of my father's hand. All that takes place at the moment, the instant of belief. When we hear these words justification, a lot of things take place at that very, very moment. After that is the rest of your life. And have you noticed the moment that you accept Christ as your Savior, you're not sinlessly perfect? Like, oh, there's no halo over your head where you become instantly sin-free. 
We suffer through sin. We are still corrupt in our nature. We have been legally declared not guilty in that instantaneous act. But moving on, we have a thing called, and we'll look at this in future weeks, sanctification, which is a word that becomes to become more like Christ. To become more like Christ. The very name Christian means to be Christ-like. And as time goes on, you learn more of the Scriptures. You learn more about what God's doing in your life. The Holy Spirit continues to grow and develop. Our faith grows and develops. And the things that we used to do, we, we no longer suffer through. We begin to do the things that God wants us to do. And we become sanctified or become more like Christ. Nowhere in the Bible do we see that you become sinlessly perfect. That would be nice, but it's not at all. Someday in heaven, when we're in the presence of God, we'll be sinlessly perfect. But in the meantime, we're on this journey of sanctification. But what we're talking about this morning is that moment of justification where we're declared not guilty. It's an instantaneous act. Like a marriage. I've had the honor of performing a number of weddings. And... I tell them, I said, it may rain, everything may mess up, the bridesmaids and the flowers may totally mess up, but you'll be legal. That's what I tell people. And we sign the paperwork and we send it off, and hopefully the, the registry of birth, deaths, and marriages takes it and files it correctly. At that time, you are married. In 50 years' time, you are no more married on the first day as you are after the 50th year. But in that time, you have the couples that have said, we've been married for 50 years, and they're holding hands together, and they say, I love him or her more than I did when we were married on the day of our wedding. As time goes on, we learn more about God. We develop that relationship. We become closer. We become more sanctified in Him. But we've never been more justified. We're, from that moment, just like a wedding, you're no more married on the first day as you are on the 50th year legally. But you love each other more. Thank God we don't have to know everything about God and believe absolutely everything about God in order to be saved. This is an act, an instantaneous act of God. Moving on from that, it goes on and says, of God, not works. This is God's work, not us. Nowhere in the Bible do we see scales where our good has to outweigh our bad. What we find is our sinfulness has caused us and called us guilty. It says in that verse 16, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. Sometimes it's best to know what justification is not. I know that it's an instantaneous act, but also it's important to know what it's not. It's not a, an act of goodness. You have to be really good to continually earn that justification. It was the moment of salvation that took place, an act of God. But sometimes when we read that, that part of the verse where it says, no one will be justified. We stop for a moment and think that we're the exception. 
I can see how that works in someone else's life. But in my life, I got to keep on doing good works in order to earn God's favor. Something bad has happened in my life, so I better do some good to outweigh it so that I, I can receive some good favor of God. And we think to ourselves, I can see the Bible says no one will be justified by works of the law, but we find ourselves thinking that we are somehow the exception. Jesus addresses this when he's talking to his disciples and early on in his ministry. And his disciples are fresh and new. And in Matthew chapter 5, it's, it's the beginning of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus gives an incredible teaching through that three-chapter sermon that he preaches. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, he addresses how good do you have to be in order to earn God's justification or earn God's declaration of being not guilty. And he says, for I tell you, unless you are, your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. These were the religious leaders of the time. The scribes, their role was to write out the scriptures. And in Hebrew, you always go from right to left in the, in the writing. They write out the scriptures. And they, that was their job. They knew the law of God inside and out. And then you had the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were the lawyers of the day, and they would interpret the law of God. And they had taken the law of God from being something that was beautiful and liberating in our life to something that became oppressive. And they took the law and they began to define it and define it and define it and define it. They took God's Ten Commandments and turned it into over 600 extra laws and, and extra things that they had to do. They would tithe upon the tithe and they would fast upon the fasting. And everything they did, they did to the extreme, trying to earn God's favor. And Jesus comes along and says, unless you're better than the scribes and better than the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Who's the best person you have ever met do you think that person they are amazing they are so kind they are so nice jesus says the very best person will not enter the kingdom of heaven in their own works you think about your own greatest accomplishment i enjoy watching the olympics and seeing these people win medals and you see the, the excitement of even a bronze. And you see the person come through and, and be thrilled with the fact that they've earned a medal. And you, and you see the gold medalist and, the, and you think that is the epitome until the next Olympics when someone beats them. Or you, maybe the, your best accomplishment is you're a hero and you save someone's life. Or you are very successful in your work or in home life and you're loved by everybody. There's a phrase that's relatively new, which to me, is, is really kind of an interesting one. You've heard of it, I'm sure. It's calling people the GOAT. GOAT is an acronym for greatest of all time. And they would call someone, that guy is the GOAT. And to earn GOAT status, they have debates on whether who's the greatest. This is not super spiritual, this part here, but it came to my mind that Tina Turner's song from the early 90s, The Best. And you're simply the best, better than all the rest. And I won't sing it for you. Better than anyone, anyone I've ever met. And you think about how good do you have to be? You have to be the very best. And still the very best is but one sin. And then we are guilty of all the Bible says. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. John 3, 16 for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. This is an act of God, not of us. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. These are well-known verses. If you've not memorized Romans chapter number 8, verse 33, or John 3, 16, or Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, let me encourage you, take some time and memorize these verses. They will help you. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. In a moment, I have a video. This little video, it was a good illustration for me to think about when you see something clearly for the very first time, you don't want to go back to seeing it fuzzy ever again. Here we are, Daily just got glasses. It's your first time trying them on. <laughs> Hi, baby girl. Do you like it? It's cute, isn't it? You can go, ah. Many of you are wearing glasses, and I'll, I'll admit publicly, I am not a perfect specimen. I wear contact lenses. I don't like walking around with out my glasses. I don't like seeing the world fuzzy because I know I can see it clearly. So that's why I wear my contacts or wear my glasses. But when you first time you got your glasses, you probably everyone's done this. You put them on, you take them off. Put them on, take them off. Put them on, take them off. And you begin to compare and you think, that's what that looks like. And you see clearly for the first time and you don't want to go back to seeing the world fuzzy ever again. So you wear your glasses unless you're really vain. In a similar way with our theology, once we begin to understand that we are justified, it's a moment and it's of God, not of us. I don't want to go back to living the old way ever again. I want to now live in this justification. I want to live in this declaration of being not guilty of my sin. And that's where we see the next point that declares not guilty. Romans chapter 3. 8, verse 33 again. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. We are being declared righteous, not guilty before God. That word righteous is to be in right standing before God. In other words, we have a right relationship. We have access to God through Jesus Christ. And it's given to us. It is God who's given us that right. Several years ago, when I was in the U.S., uh, my cousin, who's also a pastor, uh, he had a ministry in a local county jail. He, he would go into it once a week and, and have a service on a, a, on a, I think it was a Friday or Saturday night. And I went along with them one time. And maybe, I won't make you admit this, maybe you've been to prison, so maybe you understand this, but I had never been to prison or jail before. And you go through, in the, in the first part and they ID you and then they check you make sure you're not carrying any weapons or anything and then you go through the next section and every section you walk through behind you is a big heavy door that makes an incredible ominous boom when it closes and as it closes you can feel it and you walk deeper into the jail and we walked right into the center area and there were some rooms that probably half the size of the stage. And we walked into it, we sat down and they led the prisoners in that actually wanted, they chose to come to this, this small Bible study that my cousin was hosting. 
and sitting there, and he had me share a devotion that evening, and we talked, and these people at this time in the county jail in the U.S., what they, why that they are there is because they're waiting on their trial. Of course, none of them were guilty. They were all, of course I'm not guilty. And the people there that had been accused uh, of stealing cars or doing drugs. I don't believe there's any murderers in our group at that particular time, but there had been in the past. And you have these people accused, and what they're waiting on is their trial. And what was interesting as I was evaluating that later was it wasn't a comfortable situation to walk through and hear the banging of the doors behind me. But there was no fear that they were not going to let me out. I knew that I was going to be let out those doors at the end because I was not guilty. Whereas these men that were in there, they didn't have that right to go out. They were still in their accused state. Here we have the scripture that that God declares us not guilty. That's the difference between being works and justification. And moving on from that, we see that it's not for good people. It's not for perfect people because none of us are perfect. None of us are are good enough. It's for sinners, not good people. That's our fourth point. It says in verse 16 of Galatians 2, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. There's a phrase that's common in our society today and it sounds really good, and it makes an excellent poster, particularly a cat poster, or something like that that you have on your wall. And it's something like, believe in your heart, or just trust your heart, trust your feelings. And it sounds really nice, and it makes a nice cat poster to inspire us, but in reality, it leaves us empty. So if you have a cat poster that says, just trust your heart, go home and take it down. Because the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter number 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? In Jeremiah chapter number 17, it it shares that, that verse. It basically is saying, good enough. You're never going to be good enough because inside of our hearts, as good as you are, and as smart as you are, and as loved as you are by God, inside, we do wrong. And I'm not going to go pointing out the various sins that we all commit. But you start evaluating your own heart and recognizing in your own heart the fact that, you know what? It is deceitful above all things. I try to do right, end up doing wrong. I try to do the right thing and it ends up being wrong. I try to, to build myself up and it ends up bringing other people down. And you've been working in life and you try every other thing and come to the point where we need to live in the salvation and the justification. And then from that is the sanctification. If we don't live in the justification, in the, the, the declaration of not guilty, we'll be carrying around this guilt Whereas we know who we used to be before Christ. Because without Christ, my heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately sick. It cannot be understood. But you know what? 
we know a God and a Savior who does know us, who cleanses us from all unrighteousness, who gives us life and hope and peace, not just for now, but for the future. So therefore, in our relationships with others, in the way that we view other people, we no longer filter it through our guilt. We now filter it through the righteousness of God and begin to see people the way that God sees them, love them the way that we think, that person doesn't deserve my love or my forgiveness. We see them the way that God sees them. We see our abilities and also our inabilities. And sometimes we look at things and we go, my good is just not good enough. Something I, I wasted far too much time this week trying to find an illustration of fails. And I, in fact, it was quite amusing to see all the various fails. And I just put one on the screen for you. And you think to yourself, you just have one job. And you think in our life, my life and your life, we all just have one job to do. It's to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And when we try it any other way, it ends up being messed up. How can I or how can you be declared righteous? Because it's all well and good to say, I want to be guilt-free. I don't want to be hold on to my guilt. I want to be released of that. I want to be declared not guilty by God. In Romans chapter number 3, if you have your Bibles, let me encourage you to turn to Romans chapter number 3. We're going to do a really quick synopsis of a little passage in there that will lay it out. First of all, in Romans chapter 3, verse 22, we see it is through faith in Jesus. It's not by works. It is not by your, your nationality. It is not by your income. It is not by your education. It is only through Jesus Christ. And the Bible says the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's believing in faith in Jesus Christ. There's a quote that says, faith is only as good as its object. I want you to mull that over for a moment. Your faith is only as good as its object. We can have faith in our government. We can have faith in ourselves, faith in our spouses, faith in our finances, and faith in our education. But it's, our faith is only as good as the object of our faith. I want to have faith in the God, the creator of the universe, who knows the beginning from the end, who's the holder and sustainer of everything. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, For our sakes he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It is through faith in Jesus. Secondly, it is for all people. That passage in Romans 3 continues on. In verse 22, it says, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It is not just for the really bad people. And naturally, and this is totally natural, and I think we probably all feel this way, as soon as we are accused of something, we have that feeling in our hearts of we did something wrong, we instantly begin to look and think, who's worse than me? We think to ourselves, and we naturally think through several things. You, and you come to the point of ultimately saying, well, I'm not Hitler, or I'm not a murderer, or I'm not this. And it's, that's a natural response. We always try to find someone that we think is worse than us. But it's for us too, as good as you are, or as guilty as you are. For all, there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then next we see it's only by grace. 
and are justified by his grace as a gift. Verse number 24 says it's a it's a gift that is very costly. And that's our fourth point. An expensive gift that you don't deserve makes you say, wow. And in verses 24 and 25 of that passage, it lays out something and gives us another big word that we may look at in the future weeks. It says, and are justified by his grace as a gift. It's a gift that we do not deserve. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as, and here's a word that's really, really difficult to say slowly. Propitiation. you got to say it fast. Propitiation. The faster you say it, the more, more it sounds like you're saying it correctly. Try to say propitiation really slowly, and it is hard. Propitiation means to appease by a gift. And where is this gift? Where is this gift we find? It is put forward as a propitiation or as a gift by his, that's Jesus' blood, to receive, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. It's like a husband when we, I mean, Valentine's Day, we, we're supposed to buy flowers because we love them. But other times of the year, we buy flowers because we did something wrong. And we want to appease by a gift. Well, here's a gift that's been given by God, that is Jesus Christ. And how can we know this justification? It's only through Jesus Christ. Well, that definition again. The act of God whereby he declares the believing sinner righteous in Jesus Christ. Much like that little baby we saw in the video who was seeing clearly for the very first time how will you begin to view your salvation now that you know that you have been declared not guilty by God? Yes, you know you're saved. Yes, you know there's heaven and, and eternity. But now you can live and say, I no longer have to carry around the guilt of my past sins because they've been bought, paid for, and taken away by Jesus Christ. That's the real message of our church. Every Sunday, we filter through the message of who we are now in Christ. When we use words like connect and grow and serve, it is in order to help us. We are, we're connecting with God because we're justified. We can grow in our relationship with God because we're now justified. We can serve God because we are standing as not guilty before God. That filters through everything that we do in church. So as you go out this week, I want you to mull that over. And if you can memorize the definition, good for you. If you just need a short definition, the definition of justification is to be declared not guilty. I want you to think through that and begin to look at the world differently as a result.